us. And today we're in week number three of a series that we call Walk This Way. Say, Walk This Way. With the emphasis really being on this, like walk this way. There's, there's a way that all of us try to walk. Matter of fact, uh, in the Scriptures it says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is destruction. All of us try to go our own way, but the Bible is calling us to walk this way, a certain way. And really what this way is and what this series is all about, it's about holiness. And holiness, and I... I know this is like this for me, so I keep trying to emphasize this point. This is, this is not a scary word. Okay? I know that I was brought up and holiness was, was those weird people um, who dressed a certain way, who kept their hair up a certain way, who wouldn't wear makeup and had some really crazy blowout services that were just, just wild. I mean, they were just weird people. And so to me, my upbringing taught me that holiness was weird. We just don't talk about holiness. And if that's you, if that's your per- perception of... Uh, of holiness, you need to understand that holiness is really just God's way of living. That's, what, that's all holiness is. is we've, been, we've been made holy if we have been saved. If God has is, is saved us and, and we're in Christ now, we have been made holy. But now what this series is about and what really the whole book of Ephesians is about is now that we've been made holy, now we need to walk in a way that reflects how holy that we are. To walk this way. And so what we're doing is we're actually looking in the book of Ephesians where Paul has written to us six chapters. This is, I don't know that it's my favorite New Testament book, but it it is right up there. This is a really good book. And he's writing to us about how that we've been called to live a life of holiness. And he gives us instructions on some things that we can do to live holy. And not only are they instructions to show us how to live holy, but they're also um, keys or, or measuring sticks to show us if we're really walking in holiness or not. And so this, this series is very, very challenging. And, and my prayer is, is that as we work through these practices and instructions that the Apostle Paul has given us in the book of Ephesians on how to live a holy life, is that each one of us would see areas in our own lives where we need improvement because we all do. Matter of fact, today I'm just going to give you a pre-warning. All of us need improvement in what I'm going to talk about today. Every single one of us. And so my prayer is that as we work through these instructions, that we would see areas of our lives where we could use improvement and that we would allow God to work on us in order that we would show glory and honor to Him by the way that we live and in doing that, that we would point others to Him. So that's my prayer this morning. I've told you over the course of this series that the book of Ephesians is six chapters and they can be divided really into two main categories. The first three chapters, chapters 1, 2, and 3, are about the calling. Everybody say calling. The calling of the church. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 are about the conduct. Everybody say conduct. I don't know why I'm thinking of this. My mind, if you've been around me long, you know my mind wonders. But I, I, I remember when I was in school, I don't know what they call it now, and it, whether or not they even still do it. But you, you, on your report card, you would get your grade reports, and then you would get conduct reports. <laughs> Anybody remember those? Do they even still do that? No? Oh, that's part of the problem with the world. But anyway... I, I could make A's and B's and, and every other thing, but conduct, it was always like C or D. Uh, my conduct was not good for whatever reason. But 
Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are about our calling. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 are about our conduct. Or you could say it like this. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are about our position in Christ. Now that we've been saved, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We've been um, identified as God's children. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's adopted us into His family. We are His child. That's our position. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 are about the practice or, or walking it out. This is now that we have been positioned in Christ, here's our practice. Here's what our conduct should look like. And this is hard, and I've told you this. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, the devil is not mentioned. The enemy is not mentioned. He does not get in our way of our position in Christ Jesus. But he shows up in chapters 4, 5, and 6 when we have to start walking it out. And it's difficult. It's a struggle. And we all need God's grace to, to be able to, to, to walk it out. So, I want to start in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm just going to read verse number 1. This is really kind of the, uh, the springboard text of this entire series. The Apostle Paul says, therefore, now that therefore, what he's saying, now, this is the beginning of chapter 4, he's saying, in light of your calling, in light of who you are in Christ Jesus, I beg of you to walk worthy of that calling. And that, that's really what I believe God is asking from all of us today who are believers. He is saying, in light of your calling, I want you to walk worthy of that. Because you are my child, because I have made you holy, now I want you to live a holy life to show not only that you love me, but to show others the way to me. And so this is the challenge. This is what he's, he, he's you can insert your name. Michael, because you have been called by God, he's asking you to walk worthy of that calling. Pastor Brad, because you've been called by God, he's asking you to walk worthy of that calling. Insert your name. Because I have been saved, because I'm now a child of God, he's asking me to now walk worthy. And that, that, is, that is humbling. That, that's, that's, that's difficult to do. He's asking us to walk worthy of that calling so that we would bring glory to him. And then he goes on, and we're going to read these verses. He goes on, starting in verse number 25, to give us some things that we can put into practice to help us walk this way, walk in holiness. And the things that he gives us are a, 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 a rejection of one thing and the promotion of another. The things that he shares here, for example, he says here, having put away falsehood, he's saying reject lying. And then he says, promote speaking the truth. So he tells us to reject things that um, destroy unity and promote the things that build it up. And then he tells us why. So let, let's read through verse 32. He says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, it's easy just to read that and uh, not gather anything out of it or not really feel like that it's speaking to you. But when you slow down 
and you begin to take verse by verse and look at the things that he's telling us to reject and the things that he's telling us to promote, and then the why behind it, it is very convicting. And that's where we are in this series. We are trying to see the things that Paul tells us to put in practice to see how holy that we're, or how, how much that we're walking in this holiness. This, this is, these are measuring sticks and gauges to show us if we're really walking in holiness or not. Paul gives us these examples of how we can put into practice holiness. He tells us, reject lying, promote the truth. Why? Because we're members one of another. I told you, at the very uh, minimum, we should have a foundation of trust in one another because we're here uh, to unite together to be the body of Christ, to be the salt of the, uh, the, the earth and the light of the world, and we need to be unified together. And so when it says reject lying, he's not just talking, he is talking about you know, with our words, but it goes more beyond, more, or it goes beyond that. It's not just about don't tell a lie. He's saying, don't lie with your appearance. Don't lie with your expressions. Don't lie with your actions. Don't pretend to be like everything's okay when it's really not. You need to let someone know. Have accountability partners. Tell them what you're struggling with. It's not just anyone. There's a context for that. There's the right place and the right setting. But you need to let someone know. Especially when you come to church and you're trying to, to worship. Don't appear to be something you're not because God doesn't fix who you appear to be. He fixes who you really are. So you've got to be open and honest and transparent. And then he gets into the next one, which is what we talked about last week. He said, reject anger and keep short accounts. That's what he means, but don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Keep, keep short accounts. Don't let it linger. Because if you let it linger, he goes on to say, you're giving an opportunity for the devil to get a place in your life. Which, if you don't deal with it, it leads to what he says there in verse number 32, it, or in verse number 31, it leads to bitterness. So you've got to learn to control that. All of us have flashes of anger. When people do stupid things, when people say hurtful things, that anger tries to rise up in you, and you, ha you have a choice to make. Am I going to act out on this? Am I going to let it linger? Am I going to get mad for a while? Or am I going to learn to love and, and uh, uh, make allowance for people's faults, as Paul goes on to say in one of his books? It, it, uh, am I going to uh, keep short accounts so that the enemy cannot get a foothold in my life? And hopefully you're, you're, you're working on that. I don't know how it works in your life, but usually when I teach on something, I'm usually bombarded with it. Uh, the next week. I'm usually like challenged by it. Um, I don't know if it works for you, like when you hear a message on it and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to put that into practice. And then it's like, oh yeah? <laughs> Let's see how you are. But today we're going to learn about stealing. As the Bible says, to reject stealing, and then it's the, the promote, the reject stealing and promote hard work so that you can give to those in need. Let's read this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. It says this, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So, so the principle here is to reject stealing and promote work. Reject stealing and promote Work. Now, this one is kind of like the first one as far as like rejecting lying and, and promoting speaking the truth. Most of us probably don't struggle with just flat out stealing. 
hopefully. If, if, you, if you're a thief, stop. I mean, that's, that, that's not, nobody likes a thief. I'm, matter of fact, not that there, there are categories of people, but man, I, I have no place for a thief. I, I mean, there's something, a uh, thief, it, it just, you know, for someone to steal from someone who's worked hard for something, that's just, man, that's like the lowest of lows. So if, if you're stealing, repent and get right with God and, and, and go, go repay who, who you stole from. But anyway, that's, that's all free advice. That's really not part of my message this morning. But, but my point is, at first glance, when we look at this, it's easy to say, well, that's not me. Let's go to the next one. I don't steal. I, I have never stolen anything in my life. Now, I did try to steal something one time. Um, I was trying to think about how old I was. I, I'm going to say around 14 or 15 years old. It was back when uh, the Assyrian building that used to be NEW, a long time ago, it used to be Food for Less. Anybody remember this? Okay, I don't know when that was. Probably mid-80s, early 80s, somewhere in there. If it was, I was somewhere between 14 and 15 years old. And uh, me and my cousin um, had gone into Food for Less. I think our, our parents were at Kmart. That's used to, when you could just like, I mean, you can still walk across, but used to, you could like drive across Kmart to Food for Less, and it was just, it's just, it's a big mall, you know, it was really cool. Um, but we, not really, but it was to us. But we were in Food for Less, and this was back when, I was, I was a major baseball card collector. I loved buying baseball cards. And, and you know, at the impulse racks, at the checkouts, I mean, there's all these things, gum, candy, fingernail clippers, all, all, everything that you need. And there was baseball cards. And there was a package of baseball cards that had been opened. The seal was broken on them. And for whatever reason, I thought, well, since the seal is broken, it's probably okay just to take them. You know, it's, they probably don't even inventory them anymore. But anyway, I'm wearing these athletic gym shorts with no pockets. So I take this pack of, I don't know how many is in a pack, maybe 15 cards, and I take this, this little stack of cards out of, the, out of the wrapper, and I stick them in my waistband of my gym shorts. And I'm like trying to walk past the, the, the cashier, just, you know, just all casual, like, hey, world is good, you know, nothing, I, I have nothing, I'm, you know, everything is good. And as I'm walking past the cashier on either side, they work their way down my waistband <laughs> and fall through my shorts and scatter, scatter on the floor. And I just kept walking. <laughs> like, you know, that they weren't mine or like, yeah, I didn't even know anything happened. Of course, nothing happened, but just the guilt and the fear of almost getting caught stealing has kept me from ever wanting to steal again in my life. So my point is, I don't steal. And, and there's, a, there's a good chance that you probably don't steal either. And like I said, if you do steal, stop. But Paul is saying more than that right here. Just like with lying, he's saying more than that. And what he goes on to say is something that is going to hit every single one of us between the eyes this morning. He says, don't steal. And if you've been stealing, stop stealing. And then he says... Get a job. I mean, he doesn't say those words, but that's what he means. He says, work, do honest work. And I, I think most of us probably work. Most of us probably have a job. Most of us, most of us probably do honest work. I don't steal. I have a job. I, I, I do honest work. I'm, I'm doing good. Woohoo! But it's the reason behind why I work that needs to be addressed. 
You probably don't steal and you probably have a job and you probably do honest work. You probably work hard. But it's the reason behind why you work that Paul's about to deal with. The reason behind why you do these things. Paul says, work, watch this, he says, work so that you can give to those in need. Wow. This verse is about more than just whether you work or whether you don't work. This verse is about the motivation behind your work. What he's saying here is not just whether or not you, you don't steal or whether or not you, you, you work or work hard. This verse is about why you get up and go to work every single day. Why do you do it? What's the motivation behind it? In the first part of this verse, Paul gives two commands. Look at this. He says, don't steal, but rather work. Most of us can probably check mark those off. I don't steal, and I work. Okay? But, but these two commands here, they describe a way of getting something. Go, go to this next slide for just a second. You can steal in order to have, or you can work in order to have. I want you to see this. They both describe ways of, of getting something. You can steal to get it, or you can work to get it. Do you see that? You can steal to have in order to have, or you can work in order to have. And then these two commands, they describe also an illegal way of getting something and a legal way of getting something. They describe an illegal way of satisfying your drive for covetousness and, and greed. And they also describe a, a legal way of doing that. I love this quote by John Piper. He said, you can be driven by greed to steal and you can be driven by greed to work. One is illegal, the other is legal, but both are sinful. You can be driven by greed to steal or you can be driven by greed to work. One is illegal, one is legal, but they're both sinful. That's why Paul doesn't stop there. I think most of us, I mean, this is the American way. We work so we can have a big house. We work so we can have a fancy car. We work so we can have designer clothes. We work so we can have the latest technology gadget. Or we, we work so we can have the latest iPhone or, or whatever, you name it. That's why most of us work. And that seems to be the American way. I mean, if I earn it, I should be able to spend it all on me. But that's not the Christian way. As Christians, we are commanded to work with the attitude and motivation to meet the needs of others. And man, this is a, this is a slap in the face. This is very, very convicting. Remember who Paul is writing to. He's writing to believers. He's writing to the church of Ephesus. And he's reminding them of how they used to live. Before you were saved, before you were children of, of God, you used to live like this. You used to live to satisfy your, your own desires. Those deceitful desires. Things that were all about you. That's the way that you used to live. That was your style back then. And it fits you back then. It, it went with your identity. He said you used to live in a way that was very selfish. But that's the old you. Now you have been identified with Christ. Now you have a new nature. Now you have been created to be like God, truly righteous, 
and truly holy. You should walk a new way. Your, your new life should necessitate for you a new style, a new way of living. You're no longer to live to please yourself. You're to be living in a way to please God and do the things that God has called you to do. He says stealing is part of your old life. Working just to get and only to satisfy your own desires is your old self. But your new self is after the image of God. And His desire for you is to work hard so that you can meet the needs of others. Wow, that's, that's, that's very countercultural. That's very anti-American way, right? That's, that's tough. Yet it's the life that God is calling all of us to. It's a life of holiness, a life of love. And I, and I told you this morning that, that my prayer is throughout this series that as we work through these, in, through these instructions, all of us would see areas of our own lives where we need improvement. I would be willing to wager that this is one of those areas. Why do we work? Why, why to, do we earn money? Why do we get up and go to work every single day? Paul is saying here, the reason that I have a job and the reason that you have a job is not for me, it's not for you, but it's for others. The reason that I get a paycheck is not just for me, but also for others. The money that I make, listen to this, the money that I make is grace towards me so that I may be a blessing to other people. He says here, work so that you can give to those in need. Absolutely, I have a responsibility to take care of my family, right? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, Paul goes on to say, maybe in Timothy, I don't know, it's, it's somewhere in his writings, he goes on to say that if we don't take care of our, our family, that we're worse than an unbeliever. So absolutely, I have a responsibility to take care of my family, to provide for them. But if the money that I make and the paychecks that I receive, if it never goes beyond my family, then I don't have a true understanding of my calling in Christ Jesus. Amen, somebody. It's true. I, I know, I know it's, this is a very convicting, very convicting message, okay? So I'll just amen myself from time to time because I've had, I've had all week to chew on this. The life that God is calling us to is, is a life that, that crucifies the flesh, that crucifies the selfish way of doing things. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live. But yet it's not me that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live uh, by the faith in the, in the Son of God who, who loves me and gave Himself for me. He says, I'm living a new life. I've, I've been called. I've been adopted. I, I'm no longer that person. I, I live for, for Him. And I live for others. I live to, for His kingdom. I live to advance His purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, very familiar passage of Scripture. I'm going to kind of summarize this. We have it on the screen. Paul here is, is reminding us why we've been saved. First of all, he says how we've been saved. We've been saved by grace through faith, and it wasn't anything that we could do. We couldn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It, it was only through God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. But look at this. He says He saved us so, everybody say so. You know what that means? That means here's why He saved you. So that we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. We have been saved to be a blessing 
to other people. God has called us and qualified us and identified us as his own so we can be the hope of the world. You've heard me say this before, the local church is the hope of the world. But, but what, is that, what does that look like? It doesn't just mean because we've erected a building here, and like, hey, world, here's your hope, come and get it. No, no, no. What, what does that look like that the church, the church is not a building, the church is a movement of people. It's a group of people who, who, have, who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And while Jesus was here on this earth, he says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is how I want you to live. Follow me, follow my example. He was the hope for the world at that time, but now He has gone. He's given us this Holy Spirit, which is the same way that He functioned while He was on this earth. He was a man fully indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Everything that He did, He was, he was acting in response to the Holy Spirit. And now He says that's the way that you need to live so that you can be the light and the salt and you can influence people for my sake and you can grow the kingdom and people will see you and me and they will truly see that there's hope in this world. He says, you've been saved by grace so that you can do the good things that I planned for you long ago. You've been saved by grace so that you may do good works. Grace has been extended to you so that you may be a blessing to other people. So Paul says, reject stealing. And man, you could go, I could, I could have made an entire message just about that point. Because not just flat out stealing, not just, oh, I like that candle, I'm going to take it home. Not just like that, but stealing. I mean, you, you name it. Um, when you're working on the clock, and you know, the old saying, when, when, when the cat's away, the mouse will play. When, when, nobody, when your supervisor's not there, how hard are you working? I mean, we, we steal in those areas. We steal when we don't report all of a, our income uh, to file for taxes. Uh, I mean, we steal. There's people, and I don't mean this in a condemning way, but this is... Uh, this is not a blanket statement by no means, but, but we steal from the government. When people that are, that are drawing disability, who can, who can really, they could really go out and get a job if they wanted to. What's well, quiet in here? Well, we, we steal from government. We, you know, welfare was never me, uh, meant to be a permanent um, solution to somebody. But a temporary thing to help people. And I know that there are legitimate people who, who definitely need disability, don't hear the wrong message, and, and who definitely need the assistance of welfare. But sometimes we steal from, from people by just taking advantage of the system. So my point is, I could, I could sit here and talk a lot about don't steal. Paul says, reject stealing. Stop looking for shortcuts. Stop being lazy. Instead, work. And work hard. And not just work hard, but he says do, do honest work. Do good work. But then here's where, here's where the, the sticky point is. He says, do this so that you can give to those in need. That's not easy. Paul is saying the purpose that God has for us is not simply to stop stealing. It's not simply just to go out and get a job and to work. But the purpose that God has for us is to work with the motivation to have so that we can be a blessing to other people. And I'm here to tell you, this is, if you get a grasp on this, th this will truly change your life. But this is, this is it's anti-American. It's, it's, it goes against probably everything that you were taught. 
we go, we want promotions, and don't, uh, promotions are good. We want raises, those are good. There's nothing wrong with those things. But what is our motivation for getting those things? Just so we can upgrade our house and upgrade our car and upgrade our lifestyle and, and have more toys? Or is it so that we can be a, more of a blessing to other people? And I'm just here to tell you, if, until your mindset gets to that, there's no reason for God to increase your resources. Because if your mindset is just to get a raise and get more money just so that you can have more stuff, God's not in that. Now, He will give you raises. He will give you, allow you to have promotions when He sees that you're a conduit that He can uh, give money to that's going to let that money flow and, and minister to other people and meet the needs of other people. It's tough, isn't it? I was asking someone this morning if they wore their steel-toed boots because this is, this is a very... This, is a very, this convicts me. I give, but man, not at this level. I'll just be flat out honest with you. I mean, I give, I tithe, I, I go above and beyond that. But I, I can't honestly say that, that I go to work or that my wife goes to work so that we can have to get more to give to other people. So this is challenging. Paul is saying that, that when we get saved, our attitude should go from live to have to live to give. You can live to have either legally or illegally. I mean, you can get it by stealing or you can get it by working hard. But when you become a Christian, your attitude should be, I'm living to give. I believe that this is one of the reasons that God established the principle of tithing. I truly do. And this is, this is not a message on tithing, but it's, you, you can't really talk about this without mentioning the principle. I believe that God established this principle of tithing so that greed and, and selfishness and the love of money would not consume us. As a matter of fact, the same writer, Paul, he says that it's the love of money that's the, the root of all evil. And it's led many people astray. You know that. People chase money. They chase jobs. They chase positions. And it, it, it causes money. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. Okay, Money is simply a tool. It can be used for good or it can be used for bad. It's leverage. But the love of money, that desire, that, that greed, that, the desire to have it because you want it. You want bigger things. That's the, that's the root of all kinds of evil. But this principle of tithing, I believe that God established this for, for several reasons really, but, but in the context of what we're talking about today, it's so that we won't allow money and the love of money and greed and, 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 the, and the desire to please ourselves to consume us and control us. Because tithing is a tangible way that I can put God first and it teaches me that the very first thing that I do with my money is I give. Now I get a check. When I get paid, the very first thing that I do is give. So that the love of money and greed will not consume me. When I tithe, which if you don't know this, which is giving the first 10% to the local church, not only is that helping to provide a place where people can come and, and hear about the Lord and, and learn to give their life to Him, but it's also helping to fund local missions in our town who are meeting the needs of those in our community. I told you that a while ago when, when we were uh, taking the offering. And by the way, um, just, to, just to help you out a little bit, anytime, and like I said, this is not a message on money, but anytime I talk about money, whether it's a whole sermon or if it's just injected in a sermon, I always make sure that the offering is taken before the message so as to not make people feel like that I'm trying to manipulate or make you feel obligated to give at the end of the sermon. 
I always do that. We pretty much do it anyway, but, but I specifically make sure, okay, we're not going to do an offering at the end. But, but this is how we get free. I mentioned this in my prayer a while ago, that, that Jesus said it's, we're, we're more blessed. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But that, that is a concept that is hard to grasp. The best way I think that I can put that into words as an illustration is for those of you who are parents or grandparents. You remember this time of year when Christmas, when you were a child, it was all about you getting, right? It was all about, hey, what, do, what am I getting for Christmas? Here's my wish list. It's, you know, here's, this is just page one. I'm still working on the next three pages. This is what I want. It's all about me, right? And you were happy when you received. You were blessed when you received. But as you've become a parent, as you've become a grandparent, you truly see this principle being put in place. You can understand it. It truly is more blessed to see your kids and other people get things than it is for you to get things. You see that concept when you're a parent. You see that concept when you're a spouse. I, I love for my wife to, I love to get things for her. I love to see her face. I love to, you know, just make her happy. And that's what Jesus is saying here. When we truly get this concept of, of giving, we're, we're going to see that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Paul is saying here, reject stealing and promote working hard so that you can give to others. And that's tough. Because I can't honestly say that when I get up in the mornings and go to work that it's always about I want to make money so that I can give to others. How can I meet a need? Because we're always naturally, by default, trying to be selfish. But God is saying, I want you to give. Here's this last statement here. According to the Bible, our motivation for working should be to get so that we can give to others. That's according to the Bible. <laughs> he says, if you're a thief, stop stealing. Instead, work hard. Do honest work so that you may have something to give to those in need. That's convicting, isn't it? If you're not convinced, I heard a, had an old preacher one time said, if that doesn't stir your, 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 uh, your soup, then your spoon's falling out of your bowl. If that doesn't move you, something's wrong. Why, do we, why are we going to work? Yes, we have an obligation to be responsible, meet the needs of our family. But it goes beyond that. If the money that we earn, if a paycheck that we get, if it never goes beyond our family, then we don't have a true understanding of our calling in Christ. We've been called to be world changers. We've been called to be givers. I, I was thinking about the old saying that people say, well, you know, life's short. You need to just you know, make as much money and, and spend it on yourself. Do whatever that you want because life is short. You need to just spend it up and, you know, and just use it for yourself. But you could also take that and say, yeah, life is short. We're only here for a little while. Our true destination or the final resting place is heaven where we're going to live for all eternity. So during this short period, I'm going to invest, invest, invest as much as I can in the kingdom of God. As Jesus said, I'm going to store up treasure in heaven. I'm going to push it forward so that, so that more people can come to know Christ. This life is just a vapor. It's like the morning fog. We're, we're here for a little while and then we're gone. Can't take it with you. But to put others first and put God first and give. 
The goal behind this series, the goal behind this writing of Paul, the Apostle Paul, is so that we would become more and more like Christ. Is that not our goal? Right? I remember the first of the year, and I don't know if I can do this from memory or not, but, but um, our declaration I felt that God had given me, and, and I, did, I told you, I don't know if we were going to do it all year long, but when we would get ready to, to, to hear the message and when I would get ready to speak, this was the declaration. My life is about to change for the better because I'm going to be taught the Word of God. His Word is life and a transforming power that, re- that produces results. I receive His Word today with an open heart and an open mind, listen to this, and a willingness to be more like Jesus. Is that not our goal? How do we do that? Just by continuing to come to church? I mean, that's, that's part of it. We're, we're learning. We're being challenged by the Word of God. But if we truly want to become more like Jesus, we've got to become more generous. And our motivation for working has to be so that we have, so that we can be a blessing to others. I, I'm going to just tell you this, and, 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 and please, I, I know you know my heart, and I, I, I feel I shouldn't even have to say that. But sometimes I feel I need to say that so no one gets the wrong message. But did you know that, that my goal, and I don't know if I'll make this goal or not, but it, it is one of my goals. It truly is. My goal is to give a million dollars to the kingdom of God over the course of my life. That's my goal. Now, I, I'm, I'm nowhere near that. But that's my goal. I want to do that. Because I want to see people's I want to see the needs of people met. I want to see people know that, that, there are, that there, there's hope in this world. And His name is Jesus. And when, when you have a, a mindset of giving and putting other people first, I truly believe that God looks at you and He says, there's a person after my heart. There's a person who has, who has not given in to the American way, but that's a person who wants to follow the Christian life, who wants to live a life of holiness, who recognizes that this life is not about them but it's about God. That recognizes that they're not just gaining income and and increasing income so they can fund their kingdom, but they're increasing in their income and they're gaining uh, resources so that they can fund my kingdom and put other people first. And this principle that Paul is teaching here in Ephesians chapter 4 takes everything you do in life, everything you do, including your secular job, and turns it into a work of grace. That job that you have, you, you may not like that job. But when you work willingly at whatever that that God has put you to, when you work with enthusiasm as working for the Lord, when you say, God, I thank you for this job, you recognize that maybe you don't like what you're doing, but but it it is a work of grace that God has given you so that you can help fund His mission. It'll change your motivation for getting up and going to work. He takes everything and turns it into a work of grace. And when you truly grasp this, you'll begin to see your secular job as a means to display God's grace. Working to have so that you can give. God is saying to all of us today, this is the way that I want you to live. Walk in it. Walk this way. I'm just going to tell you this, this this morning in closing. This is... And the other two hit me. I mean... Uh, lying, not, not so much. I mean, not that, not that I don't struggle in that area from time to time. I, I'm pretty open with people. I'm pretty real about who I am. I, I, I never try to put on a front. 
Um, last week's hit me pretty hard. I, we all have flashes of anger from time to time, and sometimes I do good and, and don't act on that, and sometimes not so good. But this one hit me hard. It hit me real hard. Because even though I give, I know that I don't give near like I should. That I don't work always to, to be a, a resource and to have so that I can be a blessing to other people and give. And however this message hits you this morning, whether you are already a giver, my prayer is that, that God would even cause you to be more generous. If you're here this morning and you, you find that everything that you get goes to be spent on, spend on yourself, and you never do anything to give to advance the kingdom of God, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit convicts you of this. And that you will do something. You'll make some sort of adjustments and arrangements so that you can start giving to be a blessing to other people and cause more people to come to Christ. I want to pray for you this morning. If you'd bow your head and close your eyes. and I'm just going to pray that, that God would just challenge us in this area today. Father, we just come before you this morning and we are so... Thankful, Lord, for Your Word. Lord, Your, your Word tells us in the, in the book of Hebrews that it's like a, a, a two-edged sword. It's, it's sharp, Lord. It's, it's quickening. It, it pierces and it penetrates our lives and, and shows us areas, Father Lord, where we need to make adjustments, Lord, so that we may become more like You. God, that is our goal. I believe that's every person in this room's goal is to become more like You. But God, I think sometimes we need a little help to remind us how we become more like You. It's practical things that we can implement in our lives. It's not a prayer that we can say. It's not just church attendance, God, but You've called us to be the hands and feet of, of Christ. Lord, we are the body of Christ. Your Holy Spirit, when Jesus was on this earth, Your Holy Spirit indwelt His earthly body and he was the body but that body was broken that body was was crucified and now that the holy spirit lives in the church who is now the body of christ we are to be doing the works that jesus did while he was on this earth so god i pray that all of us would be challenged in this area of generosity that we would all be challenged lord to be a blessing to other people that we would all be challenged father lord to not fund our kingdom, but to fund Your kingdom. To put You first and not our will first. And God, we just ask this morning, Lord, that You would just move upon us and convict us, Lord, where we need to be convicted and change us, Lord, where we need to be changed. In Jesus' name, Amen.